Hi, everybody. This is Dr. Eric Corum, founder of AIM7. Welcome back to The Blueprint, where we distill cutting-edge science, leadership, and life skills into simple tactics optimized for your busy lifestyle and goals. Today, we're diving into the transformative power of movement with our guest, Kelly McGonigal, health psychologist and lecturer at Stanford University. Kelly will share her insights on how physical activity shapes our experiences of life, happiness, and personal growth. You'll learn how movement becomes a form of internal medicine, fortifying our bodies and minds to navigate life's challenges with strength and resilience. You'll discover the key to fostering hope, nurturing communities, and cultivating love and happiness. This is an invaluable essence that we all crave. From the science behind the runner's high to the profound impact of music on our performance during exercise, this episode is packed with fascinating insights. But before we begin, if you love the practical insights from The Blueprint, then you're going to love my weekly newsletter adaptation. Every Friday, I send you curated tips, resources, and cutting-edge science that will help you look, feel, and perform better. This newsletter is for busy people that don't have time to comb through the latest scientific literature and are looking for reliable information from a trusted resource. If that's you, then subscribe to the newsletter. The link is in the show notes. Now for my conversation with Kelly. So let's lean in and learn from the best. How does movement impact our experience of life, joy, and really just thriving? Yeah, it does in every way imaginable. People who are more physically active through any form of recreation, sport, or exercise, they are happier in every way you can measure. They have more love, more gratitude, more confidence, more meaning in life. And I think it's because when you look at the activities that most of us are drawn to, they either bring out what is best in us, you know, our courage, our creativity, our competitiveness, our persistence, or they put us in places that inspire us and uplift us like outdoors, or they put us in communities that support us and connect us. And really, like, what more could you ask for if you're looking for something to do? I would be wanting to do that all the time. And that's why I think I love exercise. For me, yeah. movement and exercise. I love walking. I love getting outside. I live in outside of Houston, Texas. So, I mean, it's still a concrete jungle. But still, there's just something about tuning into your environment and just letting your brain relax. And then... I look forward to that hour a day that I get to just lose myself. I think exercise is addicting. Mm -hmm. And then I read your book and I realized (laughs) it is addicting. So let's talk about the runner's high. Mm -hmm. And you mentioned in the book about endocannabinoids. 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 I don't know why I'm struggling with this word. It's a hard one. It's a hard one. Endocannabinoids. And I'm reading about this, and the word that comes to my mind is cannabis. Like, yeah, does running cannabis mimics the natural endocannabinoids, but it's it's a little bit different. Okay, so are we getting high when we run? You are, but it's a very specific high, and it also depends on what you do, how intense it is, where you do it. Like every form of movement is it has a parallel to some sort of recreational or spiritual drug. But, you know, movement gives you an opportunity to tap into the brain's natural capacity to give you chemicals that make you feel good, that make you confident, that help you connect with other people, that give you hope. So 
You mentioned endocannabinoids and the runner's high. That's one type of exercise high. And it turns out that if you engage in moderate intensity movement continuously for about 20 minutes, your brain releases more endocannabinoids. And that along with things like dopamine and adrenaline that give you a very specific like sense of feeling powerful and also loving. <laughs> it's like mm -hmm. a really interesting psychological state where you feel like you could take on the world and also you want to tell everyone you see that they're amazing and isn't <laughs> life great. That's the ideal exercise. I call it the persistence high because it does not kick in in the first couple of minutes. You basically have to go a little longer or a little harder than is easy. It really is crossing that effort threshold, but you don't have to run. You can get it from things like flow yoga and dancing and kickboxing and hiking and swimming and cycling. Just get your heart rate up a little bit and don't stop. But there are other exercise highs. So for example, when you move with other people in synchrony or with a shared purpose, you're going to release more endorphins as well. And sometimes also oxytocin, which is a hormone that helps us bond and also that makes us braver. So you've got endorphins, this endorphin rush. Maybe that's why when you do dancing with friends. Recently, the craziest party I've ever been to, uh -huh. it was a bunch of married adults with kids at home and they put headphones on us, right? And there was a mixture of headphones in the group. There was no music playing outside of your headphones, but in your headphones, it was connected to a channel. So there's like four channels. And so some people were listening to the same music and you're dancing in your own world, but you're dancing with other people. Mm -hmm. And like some people it was country, some people it was hip hop, some people, but then you connected with the people. It was so much fun. And I think there's some video floating around on the internet of me doing some crazy stuff. But anyways, <laughs> it was so joyous. Like everybody was having a ball. And is this why? Because like you're just connected to these people? Yeah, it's part of it. So when we move with other people, part of it's the endorphin rush. It makes us like other people. It makes us feel like we belong. Also, music gives you an endorphin rush and an extra hit of dopamine and adrenaline. So listening to music that you love enhances any exercise high and also enhances the bonding effect. Music also makes us feel more connected to others. So it's one of the reasons why I, I teach dance class every day, not because I'm trying to create amazing dancers, but because dance is a technology for building community and finding joy and belonging. So it is its own special type of high. But also you had mentioned you love going outdoors and we know that movement outdoors has a function that's similar to the type of drugs that people sometimes take to experience spiritual awakenings or transformations. And exercising outdoors seems to help people experience a state of deep mindfulness and open-mindedness that can be quite transformational. But it can be as simple as going for a walk outdoors if you're feeling really stuck on something or you know, you've got voices and thoughts in your head that are creating a lot of suffering. Exercising outdoors is one of the fastest ways to shut that down and tap into an internal peace which again is really different than the kind of rapture of a dance party. And I think it's wonderful to know that we have this like repertoire that movement gives us access to. It's like telling the body and brain, okay, I need this today. Let's create that particular kind of joy or support. I love that. In your book, you said that music is a performance enhancing drug. 
Yeah, it is. It's ergogenic. Explain. It literally gives you energy. I think people don't even fully understand how this works. But for example, if you listen to music, you are going to require less oxygen to do the same amount of work. It's kind of magical. It can help you be faster. It can help you be stronger. It makes hard things feel less effortful and also more enjoyable. I mean, I experienced this in my own workouts. You put the right song on and I'm you know, practically superhuman. Whereas if you ask me to do the same movement without music, I mean, good luck. <laughs> it's not going to happen. <laughs> you know, it's motivational and something about it is also biological. Is there a certain beat, like frequency that you need to tap into? You know, the universally preferred BPM is 120 beats per minute. A lot of pop music is in that range, but it totally depends on what you're going for. You know, hip hop is a little bit slower, but it often has an energy to it that makes people feel really empowered or powerful. I actually like higher BPM. I love speed. There's something about going fast that activates our sense of joy and freedom. And then of course, maybe you're doing mindful movement and you want to put on some music that just has a positive message and a calming feel that allows you to connect you know, to something bigger than yourself. You should have movement playlists for every part of yourself. Let's face it, in a world brimming with health advice, gym jargon, and trendy diets, it can be tough to find your true north. You're busy, you're dedicated, you're a go-getter, but finding time-efficient, science-backed health and fitness guidance, well, that can be a real challenge. That's where my newsletter adaptation comes in. Adaptation is your essential, easy-to-digest Friday newsletter. It's your handy guide that helps you sift through the noise to bring you the most valuable health and fitness tips out there crafted for your mind, body, and recovery. Don't have time for long reads? No problem. Adaptation understands your hustle and delivers you value-packed, bite-sized advice that's actionable. Whether you want to look better, feel better, or perform better, or all three, we've got you covered. It's not just a newsletter, it's a lifestyle change, a commitment to yourself. So check it out. The link is in the show notes. Oh, I do. Like people might be surprised. Like when I really need to get after it, it's one of two things. I go to EDM. Me too. Or, you know, NF music. I don't know. What is that? He's like a rapper that uh, imagine like an Eminem that isn't as abrasive, mm-hmm. but it's it's like really hard hitting mm-hmm. and he is really deep. And there's some of his songs that are just like, I know like when I really want to hit a heavy set, it's that or I just go old school POD or something. But when I'm doing like aerobic work, that's just continuous. It's podcasting because I kind of like I'm suffering a little bit. And I know that if I can just move my mind mm-hmm. into a different state, I want to go learn. And then all of a sudden, 40 minutes has gone yeah. by. I'm like, what in the world just happened? You know, this is such an interesting example, too, because you might say in that moment where you're distracting yourself a little bit so you can do something hard but beneficial, you might say, well, that's not really joy. But that's part of what I mean by the joy of movement in that exercise teaches us how to survive hard things. And there are a lot of different strategies you can use. Some of my favorite um, part of the research I did was to talk to people who do ultra endurance events or extreme adventure events, which are way beyond what I do in my everyday life. But I loved hearing about what they do when things are incredibly hard and every cell in their body is saying stop, but 
they want to keep going. It's meaningful and important. And I feel like that is part of what we mean by the joy of movement. If you learn that in, in that moment, you can think about loved ones, or you can distract yourself, or you can sing, that all of these things that are human resources for surviving and for choosing life, even when life is hard. And that's a, a great thing to get to practice for when we need it. I love how you put stuff. This You're just really good at this. I really enjoy listening to how you like phrase and really turn things for people. Another thing that I thought was really interesting is your research and understanding of how movement impacts our mental health. Mm. And you told a story about a girl that was going to take her life. And then she had an experience. Would you mind telling that story? Yeah. She gave me permission to share the story in the book, mm. which I think is important in part because it, it actually, so there are a lot of stories that I share in the book and every single person I talked to, they wanted to share their story because they had this mindset that there could be meaning from their own adversity and their own struggles. And part of that meaning is letting other people know that they aren't alone and that they can get through this. And I actually believe that that is deeply connected to our experience of physical activity and movement. I think that mindset is also something that we learn from movement. So I do want to highlight that, the sense that you can transform your own pain and suffering into a way to help others. I think we learn that through movement. So, you know, her story was that she was living in a, a new city. She was isolated. She was struggling in so many ways. And she was depressed and she ha actually had a plan to take her own life. And for whatever reason, she decided to go to the gym for one last workout. And in that workout, she did a deadlift that was a personal record. And in that moment, she had a physical sensation of her own strength that was just so clear, it sent such a message to her brain, you are stronger than you know, that she decided she wanted to choose life and she wanted to discover how strong she was. Mm. And I think it's such, like, you can't make that up. It's a perfect metaphor. She was doing a deadlift. I think movement is full of opportunities to experience discoveries like this because movements have this kind of metaphorical meaning. I also talked to someone who also was struggling with severe depression, who learned that he could put one foot in front of the other and just take one more step and he would pull through. Mm. He learned it in running and he remembered it when the depression came back. And he also learned from running that it's okay to ask for help, that you don't have to do an ultra marathon on your own. And that allowed him to ask for help when the depression came back. So, you know, I, I think it's one of the things that moved me the most in talking to people about movement. I have one more question for you. And this one was fascinating to me. How is the muscle an endocrine organ? <laughs> I love this. First of all, I am so grateful that you find this interesting. This was the one thing that I planted in the book that I thought, People need to know about this, and I can't believe people don't know. So now, if you don't know, get ready to have your mind blown. We have always thought muscles just move your bones around, right? They're just there for <laughs> movement. But also, your muscles act like an endocrine organ. That means they manufacture 
all these different chemicals that influence every system of your body, your immune system, your cardiovascular system, your metabolism, and also your brain. And your muscles manufacture chemicals that are really good for all of these systems. It's like you have a pharmacy in your muscles and they can create all these chemicals that improve your heart health, that boost immune function, that kill cancer cells, that make your bones stronger. It's amazing. And some of these chemicals actually target the brain. And your muscles wait for movement to release them. Your muscles hold on to them and they wait for the regular contraction of using your body to engage with life, any kind of movement. And your muscles start pumping these chemicals out into your bloodstream to help you thrive. Some of them cross the blood-brain barrier and they act like antidepressants and anti-anxiety molecules. They make your brain more resilient to stress. They help with things like depression and trauma and grief and addiction. And again, it's they're your muscles. <laughs> so you can turn mm. to your body to support you in life in this way. I think it's so astonishing and a different way to think about what we're doing when we move our bodies. The mindset that I take is that I'm giving myself an intravenous dose of hope every time I exercise because I came across this one study, I think in like 2014, that called some of these molecules hope molecules because of how they help protect mental resilience in really difficult times. I love that. That is so freaking cool. You know, we know a lot about BDNF with aerobic mm -hmm. exercise and how it improves neuroplasticity. And to know that there are dozens and dozens of these chemicals that your muscles produce and that they affect every system of your body in ways that are health enhancing and life enhancing. It's amazing. If you're interested in learning more, grab the book, The Joy of Movement. We'll put a link in the show notes. I would highly recommend that anybody that loves exercise and that you read this book because it's going to provide even more conviction mm -hmm. for why you should do this, why you should share this with your loved ones, your friends, your children, why you should get everybody moving because it really is an intravenous dope, a dope. <laughs> it's an intravenous dose of hope. So thank you so much for joining me today, Kelly. Thank you. Thanks again for listening to the Blueprint Podcast. And I know you had to have loved this episode on the Joy of Movement. To me, it was phenomenal. I was so excited to get Kelly on the show. If you enjoyed it, please do me a favor. Share with a friend. Take a picture of the podcast art, text to somebody, or put it on social media because I am convinced that people will get a lot out of this show. Thanks again for listening, and I'll catch you on the next episode.